Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we're continuing our Infinity Saga rewatch uh, with Iron Man 2 from 2010. All that right for this. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Natalie Rushman. I mean, <laughs> Ashley Coffin. <laughs> I kept writing her in my notes for this, and I just kept writing Natalie instead of, you know, Natasha. Or yeah. I was like, oh, Natalie did this. Natalie did that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Natalie? <laughs> it seems so long ago. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I love it. Um, I, I really love her introduction in this movie. Me too. I don't know. It's such a weird mix of things for her, and they're, they're still figuring the character out, I think, but like... I don't know, just like, she's so sexy in this movie. <laughs> oh my God. The- I have a lot to say about what it meant to me when she came into the MCU. So I can either get it out of the way now or we can oh, do it later. <laughs> go for it. Go for it. Uh, so Iron Man 2, everybody, let's talk about yeah. it. And we're talking about uh, the introduction of Black Widow. Go for it. So I love, I love Scarlett Johansson and I always have. And I just mm-hmm. think like, even, you know, I know a lot of girls can get jealous of girls, but she is so hot. Like when he's like, I know it didn't hold up well, but when is when he's like, I want one. I'm like, yeah, me too. Yeah. Or, or when Happy almost crashes the car and she's like, eyes on the road. He's like, I got it, I got it, I got it. Like you don't blame them. Like clearly, him being such a womanizer is problematic, and and now that kind of character might be shunned a little more. But there's just I was talking to my girlfriend. I was, I was just like, as she I was I was watching it, and she's passing through the room, and he's like hitting on the federal agent or whatever. And it's, it's just like, oh yeah, I'm like I just like I know I know it's like not right, and I wouldn't like support a guy being like this in real life. But man, it's fun to watch like his just brashness and like. Um, I would have no problem with nature. Tony Stark hitting on me. <laughs> but right, the thing right. about Nat is she knew how to play it. And so exactly. like when I was when I was younger, I didn't really like hang with the girls. I always wanted to hang with the boys because they were playing, you know, and I'm talking like elementary school when we all when I started watching the TV show. And I wanted to play X-Men and, you know, Marvel with the guys and because of X-Men and Marvel, I was able to because there are such strong female characters that can run with the boys. And I mean, you know, back then it was, you know, like no girls allowed in the club. Well, once I proved at my young, I don't know how y'all old you are in elementary school that, you know, <laughs> oh no, I know who are like, I was always Storm. That was my very first, you know, favorite Marvel character. Nice. And I always knew, you know, like everything about her and this and that. And I knew about the TV shows and their characters. So then I was allowed to, you know, like hang out with the boys at lunch. And it was, it was a really big deal for her to kind of come in because Nat was always one of, you know, the characters that ran with the strongest of the boys while not exactly having, you know, she's kind of like our Batman, you know? Mm-hmm. No superpowers, just smarts and tech. Yeah. So the way she came in, just being like a perfect seductress for what she was supposed to be doing, the reveal at the coffee shop, and then at the end, just owning that hallway of people the way I've always wanted to see it. I was mm-hmm. just like... I think it was my favorite MCU moment up until that point. Like even I throughout, you know, what what two movies we had, <laughs> but well, that's still, it. yeah, crazy. Like the, this movie starts with the phrase uh, he he says, "It's been a while since I stood in front of you like this," and he's talking about the the um, standing in front of the reporters. You know, it's that clip of him from the last movie, and I just right. like was thinking about it. this is two years later after Iron Man one, and it just it's it's kind of crazy to think like Incredible Hulk wasn't as well received. And then you've got right. so, so you got these two years between these two things that are sort of representing this build towards Avengers. And like nowadays we're so spoiled with like four movies a year and four series. And this was like it's been a while. Two years is not that long, but it's like I felt like it's it it sort of felt prescient in this like look back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I thought that they they absolutely nailed it when it oh, came yeah. to Natasha Romanoff. <laughs> Completely agree. And and it's that thing that she does, which is her superpower in many ways, is utilizing the patriarchy against itself. Yeah, and it, it, yeah. Oh, it starts out slow with like how she takes down um, Happy in the ring. But yes. nothing is better than when she owns Hamner. After I, and I honestly forgot that he calls them bitches. Yeah. And then he's like, these stu- get these bitches out of here. And then she's like, eat table, stupid. I'm going to break your arm. And then instantly <laughs> he's a canary. Like, And that was the best. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Here's my one note on that scene. Like, this is actually my one note on the entire movie. So, like, 
in our in our last two rewatches, I had like kind of big rewrites that I wanted for the movie. Like I was like, okay, looking back, I could wish they'd done this or this. You know, it would fit in better or whatever. Had thoughts on those movies. I this movie is like flawlessly written. I love this movie. I think it's mm. really well done and really tight. Um, but the one thing I wish had happened in that scene was I wish that Pepper had responded when Natalie throws him in the arm lock, you know, and yeah. like goes off to be Black Widow because she doesn't know yet, as far as we know. She's supposed to be maintaining her cover and like she throws him down on the desk and starts yelling. <laughs> and like Pepper looks a little surprised, but not nearly like the I can level of surprise. That because she saw what she did to Happy. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's not even a recon. That's that's totally true. She does. She knows she has these skills. Yeah, I would have been a, oh, or <laughs> something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like when she says, where's he being held or whatever? And she tells her and she's like, J- doesn't call the cops. She just storms off to go do it herself. I you love just it. think that Pepper would be like, wait, who are you? You know, like that like moment where Pepper <laughs> would have found out. And like, she never really has that moment through the whole no. movie. She just wanted to get in hammer's face so she's like move aside move aside yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i love rockwell so much like he brings so much to anybody else i feel like would have not been able to pull off what they did with hammer because they didn't do much with him you know yeah yeah, yeah not much but he's really impactful in yeah movie. i like because he's like so surprised when they arrest him he's like what are you what are you arresting me for i'm helping i had nothing <laughs> to do with this and i'm like oh justin yeah I love Sam Rockwell in lots of movies, um, and in this, and I just like I just want more of him in the MCU so bad. And like I don't know if we're gonna get it. They have not announced him for Armor Wars yet, but like they better after his final words are, "You're gonna see me again. I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna do this." And I'm like, "Well, right. actually, we never see him again." <laughs> well, he says like, "Soon, you, you, you're gonna be seeing me real soon," and I'm like, yeah. "What? Wait, no, we're not. Apparently, we." Uh, and we sure didn't. <laughs> no, we have not seen him. It's been 13 years and still no hammer. And I'm like, come on, get him in get him in here. I really want to see uh, Justin Hammer return. And, I mean, obviously Armor Wars would be a perfect place. Maybe that's part of yes. why they made it a movie. Because I think Sam Rockwell might have been a little more hesitant to do a, a mm. Disney Plus series. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if they wanted to get him back. And that, that like him, Riri Williams, uh, Don Cheadle, like all of them coming back will be... that. That will be a movie worth like really being excited about i think oh yeah um, really really pumped for that did they bring him up at all or like recently in any of the new stuff like she hulk or something or am i making that up Ooh. Now, did they mention they, something hammer corp or whatever I, they they have him in the short um i don't recall anything hammer related being in the more recent stuff because okay. I, I, I yeah i think once he goes to jail which you, do you remember his all hell the king appearance a little bit. I haven't watched those in a long time, but yeah, yes. All it is, it's like he's not even in the, he's clearly not in the room with Ben Kingsley because they, they get, he's just <laughs> in the, like in the lunchroom, he's sitting at the back table, like kind of making snarky comments. And it's sort of this mm. like, it's like a cutaway joke to Justin Hammer sitting at the lunch table in prison, um, which is super fun. And like, I, so I guess we did see him once since this movie. Fair <laughs> enough. Just, he's been in prison the whole time. Like, I'm ready for him to get out of prison and come be in a movie. Oh, yeah. Especially after I've made, like, underworld connections and stuff, like, in prison. <laughs> like, I want him to come out as, like, sort of kingpin. I want him to be working with the power broker. <laughs> ooh, ooh, yeah. Absolutely. He's living in Majapur because things got dicey. Ooh, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. Um, yeah. Made me real bummed that we haven't had him again since. Really Mm-mm. did. Met his wife in this, I'm pretty sure. Because he, he ended up in real life marrying the girl who's Christine, the uh, reporter. I think that's oh, her name for Vogue. Yeah. Christine Everhart or whatever. Yeah. Oh, Which Dick moved being like, hi, do you know her? And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and poor Paltrow is there, or poor Pepper is there yeah. like, oh, God, I have to compete with trash that i threw out who wasn't really trash she didn't deserve that i didn't think and natalie here with her perfect everything (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. that that is a very snarky line from pepper in the first movie uh when she calls her basically calls her trash uh because she can't went home with tony like i don't you know it's that whole it's that is why this movie's more pro- these movies are more problematic than him being a womanizer. It's the fact that they he's a womanizer and they treat the women like mm-hmm. their choices to have sex with him are so terrible. Well, that's why I like that it comes back to bite him in the ass in the third one, but we'll get there. 
Oh, yeah. Yes, we will. Shortly. Do you always realize how much you miss Jarvis whenever Jarvis is in these movies? Mm. I miss the Jarvis. I love Friday. She's got the sexy voice. But, God, I miss Jarvis. Interesting. I guess I didn't. I love Jarvis. I really do. But I guess I haven't missed him because we mostly had him around with... uh, um, with vision, you know, mm-hmm. in, in that form. So, like, and I like having vision around so much. I guess I just, I always think of vision as just Jarvis. You know, I mean, and he is in many ways, like a He's just not as funny as Jarvis. Jarvis mm. is so snarky. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Vision did kind of like lose a little bit of that. Uh, the I like when he puts Pepper on the call at the end and he's like, oh, you're here too. She's like, you're dying? What do you mean you're dying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, does Jarvis do that? That's really I funny. would assume that Jarvis has all his people on the thing. Oh, that's funny. I just thought he was uh, talking. He was talking to Nat and uh, she was talking to Nat because he didn't know she was on the call. Yeah. Like, I, I, think, I think they're on two different. It looks like they're in two different windows. Like they're on two different Skype windows or something. And like... He he talk he talks and she just he overhears him because she was talking to Nat or whatever. Maybe um, yeah, what, I don't know. I, I just thought that. that was very. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, oh, speaking back to the scene with Christine Everhart and uh, and Hammer, uh, the Elon cringe of it all. Ew! And I remember I, being like, I didn't care back then because I thought that that guy at that time was actually trying to save the world. Yeah, I did too. You know, no, nobody knew m- no. much about him back then. No, um, but it turns it- out. A lot of his, uh, a lot of his efforts are very uh, self-serving at the best. <laughs> and wasn't the- Bill O'Reilly in it too on a version of Fox yes. News? Yes, yeah. he was. Bill O'Reilly. It's like that seems like such a different time politically that they could have like the super right-wing uh, demagogue guy, but like we weren't so divided that, like, or or we weren't so awake or whatever. However you want to put it, like the that like that guy could be in this movie and it wasn't a big deal. Like, oh, he's just yeah. in there. It's a funny thing. <laughs> Let's have him be a cameo. Like, if they put, like, whatever, nowadays, if, like, Tucker Carlson showed up in one of these movies, like, I think it would lead yeah. to a lot more outrage. You know what I mean? Well, we can all, that's why they go with Anderson Cooper. <laughs> yep. No problem. Yep, exactly. We're going to start a debate on that. That's, don't write in. I don't care um, <laughs> what you think about that. But also on that thing, uh, this is hands down my favorite Stanley cameo in any of the movies. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, hi, Larry King. <laughs> yep, it's so good. <laughs> so funny. So good. Hef in the last one. Larry King in this one. Um, you know the thing that I most think I realized looking back on this movie, and the things that like I think could bring a lot of life into the MCU. Um, that I think it has lost over time is the improvisational nature of this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how improvised the movie was, but like the lines between, you know, when they're at the Senate hearing and there's so many lines being whipped back and forth and they're sort of on top of each other. Yeah. And, and just the, the talent. I mean, who is that actor? It's Larry. It's Gary Shandling. Gary Shandling. God damn it. I always want to call him Larry Gandling. <laughs> no, Larry Sanders is his TV show. So he ah! was, so everybody gets to the, 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 he, and on the Larry Sanders show, which is what the show's called, he played Larry Sanders, who is kind of like a version of him. It's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's very Larry David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of like uh, very much like before Larry David did it. It was sort of that meta commentary. Like <laughs> apparently, Larry he was on the Larry Sanders show, and then after he played a late night host, he was like a David Letterman type, right? Right. And then after he did that, when da- when David Letterman left, I was listening to Conan O'Brien talking about it. Uh, they wanted to give Gary Shandling the tonight show like instead of conan or whatever or the late night instead of conan which is really funny because yeah. like it, like like they actually like had conan on the line and then they were like nope sorry we're going with gary shandling which is really funny because he just played a fictional version of that thing and then they wanted him to come do it in real life so it's just like sort of meta and weird like you're great and he's like god hollywood how deluded yeah <laughs> so exactly funny. and he's he was playing like a elevated version that was sort of mocking the whole system of late night and then they were like you want to come do it for real and he's like uh no i, I don't think so <laughs> <laughs> He almost did it, but apparently not. Um, but yeah, Gary Shandling. I grew up on the Gary Shandling show. 
um, and still hear that theme every time I hear his name. There's a the theme song was this is the Gary Shandling show opening theme to Gary show. <laughs> it's just like really <laughs> stupid, but I kind of remember it. That's why I yeah. Gary called me up to see if I would write his theme song. Yeah, I messed it up, but it's somewhere like that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's good. I, I really so I always have a lot of affection for him. The thing that I I, I noted like watching all these people a lot of times when people kind of do their cash grab big budget movie you know like the when they graduate from like smaller films and like they have a great career and then they do a superhero film a lot of times it's sort of like a step down in quality or this sort of like like you think of it as a cash grab or whatever Mm. like go ahead get that money or whatever but i'm watching all of the people in this movie and they are all giving it their best like yeah uh, like don Cheadle. Robert Downey Jr., Gary Shandling. cast. Uh, well, Don yeah. Cheadle had to come out hard because he had to win everybody over and be like, exactly, don't even yeah. think about Terrence Howard. I am and always was Rhodey. And I mm-hmm. see it now. And I feel like I didn't have a problem with it when he took, because I already liked Don Cheadle so much. Yeah, me too. I, I was just like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no. I, like when they announced it, I remember when they announced it being like, well, I hate the idea of losing like the continuity of the actor, but like mm-hmm. if anybody's gonna do it, like Don Cheadle's my man. I love Don Cheadle so much. I do too. And he, <sighs> yeah, my my man. And like I always said, um, War Machine is like one of the only ones from Philly. And he has the most Philly moment when he comes in there and he's like, I'm only gonna say this once. Get out and i was like yes fucking bring it i love it so much <laughs> and everybody just goes running i'm like yes roadie yeah Represent. that scene <laughs> is uh, you know it, it's their very small version of demon in a bottle uh from the comics where like mm-hmm. you know tony stark is an alcoholic and it's like a big part of his character in this he's just like dying so he has one scene where uh, God, it's so many things I want to talk about, and they all like shoot off each other. So I keep wanting to say one thing and then getting on something else. Um, but uh, the, <laughs> he is so terrifying when he's drunk in the Iron Man suit. Like, I, yeah, all that glass flying everywhere and repulsor rays passing close to people's faces. That's what I was saying. Those idiots. I'm like, there is yeah. just glass falling everywhere, and they're like, woo, woo. I'm like, no, nobody would be like, woo, woo. There's glass everywhere, and that chick was barefoot. <laughs> That scene made me think about why The Boys is such a great show. Because, like, so many of these superhero movies really do need the piss taken out of them. Like, yeah, in that scene, like, the consequences would have been, like, a repulsor ray, like, blasting through a lady's face. And on yep. The Boys, they would have done that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, that's the kind of stuff they do on there to show, like, the lack of, uh, the lack of care for human life and the vanity and the pride of these characters to think they're superheroes to think they can do things without consequences um and like that scene is is one of the only ones in marvel where you're like oh my gosh he is drunk driving the iron man suit that's insane right (laughs) yeah and it's but like because tony stark does have that like alcoholism problem he kind of gets over it pretty quickly at the end of it like we don't really hear about it again after this we don't yeah and and i think that's sort of i kind of hate that like honestly, I kind of hate that we didn't get more time with Tony in general. Like I love Tony; he's amazing. He's one of my favorite things about the universe. I think this universe is built on the Tony Stark portrayal. Like mm-hmm. it is so so good, but we barely get him. Like he's in he's in he, I mean he's in like whatever eight movies, but like they so much of his character building like. Uh, like the whole thing where he gets rid of the Iron Man suits and then he's back and he just has them again. And then that it just all sort of happens off screen. There's a lot of that sort of stuff. So like, I wish we'd gotten a good demon in a bottle storyline, but it would have taken longer than a movie would have provided. You know, we would have really needed him to go through it. And like, right. I, they didn't have time to do that because they didn't have 60 years of comics. They just had like, you know, <laughs> three movies and a couple of <laughs> Avengers where he's got to split time with everybody. Yeah. You would think it would have come up more in the third one when he was, like, going through it. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. You would think he'd turn to the bottle, at least at some point in there. Mm-hmm. But I guess we're just supposed to think he learned his lesson in this one. So, great job, yeah. Tony. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Good job. Um, I was saying earlier, and, I, and I, like, I got away from it, but the thing that, like, I most learned watching this was the... I was watching that scene when they're in the car... Uh, bringing Tony, they're on the racetrack and they're in the car and they bring Tony his uh, case, the football as they call it. 
Oh, right. Um, the scene where they 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 slam Vanko against the chains and they keep going like hit him again and uh, with the car up. yes with the car and he keeps backing up and hitting him again back up and hit him again and tony is trying to get the case but the half a door keeps flinging back and forth <laughs> like it's just this gag that's really funny and it's this like again that sort of improvisational nature of the dialogue while they're dealing with this almost like it's very slapstick yeah and it to me, I don't know exactly, but most of that car looked practical. Like that door flopping back and forth and like the half destroyed car and stuff. That looked like practical effects to me. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they had them in a half cut off car just bouncing them around and we're like, just all you got to do is take the case. <laughs> yeah. And it makes me wonder if that like like when he's backing up and going forward, like that door was flopping and he's like, oh, it would be funny if I couldn't get it because this fucking door is flopping back and forth. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, like it just feels like because they did so much practically and because they were sort of like on the set with the director in the seat next to him, like having these conversations, uh, it feels like they were able to like infuse life and like realism into these scenes that like don't always exist when you're doing it on this grander scale of like they're on Thanos' planet or whatever. You know what I mean? Like when everything oh, yeah. everything has to be so orchestrated when you're shooting in that sort of green screen environment because you can't get off of your line because you'll miss the camera will miss you or whatever. Right. It's more than just improvised dialogue. It's like improvised motions and movement and like it just makes the characters feel really lived in. And I think that that's kind of lacking in some of the later stuff. Yeah, um, that scene specifically, it's so funny seeing how long it used to take him to get in the Iron Man suit. I counted it. It was like 13 seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it was a long time for sure. That and I'm pretty sure every other driver in that race is dead. Oh, yeah? Because he was <laughs> Oh, did you watch him? how bad like everybody's flipping upside down and like their oh, yeah, cars? Oh, it's like, oh, my it's God. It's cars. They got like cages and stuff in there, right? <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, and then there's Mickey Rourke. And I, I really like what he did with Ivan, but I just feel like, I don't know, he, he could have been a bit more of a problem I really, you know, he, he was a problem, but then at the end he took his helmet off for some reason. And I just thought that that was so not what he would have done. Like, of mm. course you're going to die. I don't know. I don't know. But I really did like what he was doing. Like my beard, my beard. The taking his helmet off isn't really what killed him, right? Like it was more like that he, he just got beat. No, they did the explosion thing at the end and I'm pretty sure they lived. But if he wouldn't have had his, oh, he didn't die, well, but I think that's what also, took him out. Right. Well, it just stunned him enough for them to all those things to blow up on him. And I think regardless of whether they're in the suit or not, like those, those things blowing up were designed to kill Tony. So I'm assuming it probably would have killed Vanko as well. Um, I, the, I think the only thing about removing the helmet that was tricky is like, it's always a little tricky to have that head floating on Just top floating. of it. Just floating? Yeah. Oh, like so bad. Yeah. I actually thought they did better here than in some places in the MCU. Um, notably, <clears> the <throat> Infinity <throat> War scene. Yeah. <laughs> when Banner's in the suit, it's like, ooh, that is a ter that's terrible. You didn't line that up at all. Not at all. But I, I thought it was better lined up here at least, but it's still, it's just always a tricky thing to do. Yeah. The floating head. <laughs> Tony, it works with because they have the mask around his face. Hmm. Yeah. 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 That's true. So his face is stationary, and the suit moves around. Yeah. That's or like the suit it moves directly with the face. That's that's a good point. Hmm. Mm, smart. They're really smart with the way they design the the Iron Man suit and the way they do the shooting of the inside of his face. It's something that um I didn't think of this originally. I he I've heard uh Kevin Smith talk about it a lot on his podcast. Fat Man on Batman or Fat Man Beyond, I think it's called now. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, one of the clever things about the first Iron Man is shooting inside of the mask to show his face. Yeah. Because so often in these movies, I mean, you, you go back to like the first Spider Man movie with Tobey Maguire, where like he's in the suit and you're like, you just can't get the expression, you know? And you know, it like feels silly when they're talking on the rooftop to each other and Green Goblin. <laughs> yeah. and well, speaking about masks, like Green Goblins is even more ridiculous. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But think if they had been able to cut inside the mask like that and shown so Willem Dafoe's face in the way they do here. Like, I think that would have, like, enhanced that movie a ton. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it's a, it's a really great innovation that Favreau did. That's why, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is just so expressive with his faces. That oh, he was the sure. perfect one to do it. I feel like other people wouldn't have been able. You'd have been like, okay, I, I, we see their face, but you have to really sell that. 
Yeah, there's so much going on in his character. Oh, he speaks French in this. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bonsoir de Tony Stark. <laughs> Car sunk or whatever. Um, <laughs> I forget what he says. Something. Fifth. Oh, yeah. Five minutes is uh, something sunk. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> sank, I think. Yeah. Sank. Un, uh, deux, trois, quatre. Quatre de Sank. Sit. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Um, I just remember him saying it to give him five play. minutes with Vonko. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that his faces are so expressive, and there's so much weight on the character in this movie. Um, and it's really interesting to see this early on, because he was dealing with his own death, he gets this early glimpse. You know, in the first movie, he's dealing with his father's legacy. Mm-hmm. Then he finds out, he, and he's dying, and that pushes him even more to like see what his father did. And he's faced with Vanka, who's like, "You're just a butcher. Your family's a family of butchers." Mm. Um, and he's faced with that legacy, and then he has to. He says, "And and just like all all like powerful men, you seek to rewrite your own history." Um, and try to like make his father seem like this great guy and have the Stark Expo again. Oh, look, we're all just innovators right. and like taking a, their hands out of the blood that they caused, you know, with all the war profiteering. And and it's, it really is like a really interesting look. Like it's still sort of the same thing they deal with, dealt with in the first one. But now since Tony's dying, he's like, but now I have to think about what am I leaving behind? Did I really do something different? Is Iron Man all I all I did? And him giving Pepper the power and all that stuff. Like yeah. it's, it's all really good. I I, I like a lot uh, what they gave him and and so many of his faces in the movie. Like you were talking about, those expressions are informed and like he is really living in that character. And like some faces, you like it'll be unconnected to what they're talking about, but you can just tell like, oh, he's thinking about his dad right now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, ooh, it's just like right there. It's really good. And they always, like they have the story of like, we're supposed to think from Tony's side, we, we know he's probably an unreliable narrator that his dad never said, I love you, never once said this or that. And I just, you just find it so hard to believe. Like you can see he was stern with him, but I'm like, okay, you're being a little bit too whiny emo. I'm sure... There were some good times, you know, I don't know. I'm like, I, I don't know. Dad. I don't know how it goes. But like, why would he be so shitty to him all the time? It's not that it's shitty. Like it is, it is shitty, but it's, it's not that he's intending to be shitty. It's that men of that era and even men of my father's era, um, you know, like they have a really hard time expressing themselves. Like there, there's a whole schools of thought of like, you know, you shouldn't like the mother is the one to be like the maternal loving one. And you're supposed to be mm-hmm. the stern father figure who gives them guidance. And like, there's just a whole lot of toxicity around that sort of like way they want people to express themselves. Now it is weird because the Tony we or the um, Howard we meet in like the forties growing up to be the Howard who I guess is in the 60s raising Tony, does feel yeah. like um, weird. But I think that's the thing. I think he thought he had to be a certain type of dude for Tony to like guide him, but he left out the like love that you also mm. need when you're parenting. And I, and I think that still, that still happens a lot today, even yeah. but, uh, hopefully less and less so. I think we're, we're hopefully moving beyond that. <laughs> I know you love Top Gun, right? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Did you get Top Gun vibes when uh, I, I felt like almost deliberate Top Gun vibes to me? The music changes completely when Rhodey brings his suit to the uh, to America. Oh yeah, <laughs> it was He's so like, it's such Top Gun vibes. Rhodey though, idiot, you can't trust the government, right? Of all the people, you can't trust a government in a movie at all. <laughs> yeah i really like the writing in this movie i think it's really tightly done and like not much fat on it and it really all drives you to the place where it does and and you said it was it was two other guys and justin thoreau right yeah yeah which i had no idea go in and look at justin thoreau's writing um accolades or whatever on imdb you will be shocked like i say tropic thunder like he does tons of stuff that have such good comedy writing while also being able to kind of be serious. Not that Tropic Thunder falls under that, but you know what I mean. Um, but these guys all kind of run together, and I love it. Like, Downey Jr. is in Tropic Thunder, and then uh, the Rogue learned a lot from working with, like, David Lynch and stuff like that. So it is interesting to see him quietly on the other side 
do yeah. writing these amazing movies. And it's weird that a lot of more, like a lot more people aren't talking about it. He's yeah, so I, talented. I only knew really Justin Thoreau. Like the only reason I had that name in my head was he's the main character on the Leftovers. And like, that's <laughs> he was about not it. just Mr. Jennifer Aniston. He was something more. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know about that. Yeah. They um, were married for like 10 minutes. Yeah. On IMDb, he only has five film writing credits. Well, actually, I guess, I guess ones, it's just right? four. I guess it's just four. Cause one is a Tropic Thunder. <laughs> video i don't know it's some sort of okay anyway zoolander 2 which is weird because that's even later in his career that's weird like that he's been this big actor on leftovers and then he went back and wrote zoolander 2 that seems weird it uh, does rock of ages you're at the screenplay for rock, rock of, of ages. ages is so good oh goodness and iron man 2 and tropic thunder like so he's written four movies and they're all bangers all bangers <laughs> yeah. you get in you get out and then you act again <laughs> that's 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 cool man I, I had no idea he was a writer and and the fact is, writing credit on this was blew my mind. Yeah, I'd like to be his friend. <laughs> Absolutely. I have two little things that bothered me that don't mean anything at all. The first oh, okay. one is that they let Ivan keep all of his jewelry on in prison. They would never do that. I <laughs> know. Because when not. they were switching the guy out, I was like, oh, what are you going to take off all your jewelry and put it on that dude? Because you still have your necklace, your rings, your this, your that. I was like, not okay. And then when um, Nat comes in, to put on Tony's watch when she's going full, you know, Black Widow seductress on him. Mm-hmm. She He takes a sip of his martini and she asks if it's dirty enough. But there's a lemon peel in that martini. You do not put lemon peels in dirty martinis. Oh, okay. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. That, those are the only things I was like, that's not a dirty martini. <laughs> nah, that's funny. That's really funny. Um I did, yeah, I did not catch that at all. I, I don't know anything about dirty martinis. I'm not an olive fan. But you know that there's olives in them. And now, could you imagine yeah. combining olive and citrus? I can't imagine combining olive with anything. It just tastes like feet to me. Oh, I, I, I love, uh, I love dirty martinis. <laughs> good, but good, good. I was gonna say something awful, and I stopped myself. <laughs> uh, my favorite line in the entire thing is when uh, Tony tells Pepper to stop acting constipated. <laughs> oh, gosh. When does he say? Oh, it's yeah. in Monaco after That's like right. she just has all those reveals. And like our joke is we used to call her Pepper Poops because <laughs> we don't love Gwyneth Paltrow. So we're like, here comes Pepper Poops. So my notes, it's like, stop acting constipated, Pepper Poops. <laughs> oh, like Gwyneth Paltrow is a great actress. Yes. But like. It was the goop when she started the goop and became weird. Yeah. Like I loved her before all of that, and I don't know. I'm allowed to judge. She just doesn't seem too into these movies. I feel like I feel like she's doing kind of bare minimum stuff, which I like her in these movies. I like Pepper Potts, but they don't do much with her. And it seems like based on did you see that episode where like it was after the Chef movie came out? John Favreau was doing like a cooking show, and he had uh-huh. had a uh, Gwyneth Paltrow on. Oh, and God. they were talking about the Iron Man movies, and she didn't remember that she'd been in some of them. Like That's they were insane. That's I, insane. Yeah, it is. I, they were, I, I, maybe it was maybe it was Spider Man. They were talking about how she was in the Spider Man movie because you know she's at the very end. Um, oh yeah. And they talk talk to her, and or maybe it's Civil War. I can't remember which movie that is. Anyway, I think it's I think it's, it's Spider Man. It's, it's, it's when they're gonna. Right? Get engaged, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she didn't remember that being in that at all. Like, she had no recollection. She's like, I'm not in a Spider-Man movie. <laughs> I actually won't fault her for that because by that time, it probably all starts to run together. They're like, oh, we need you to do this thing. Oh, we need you to do this thing. And we don't even know if Peter or Peter, if Tom Holland was in the scene when she came out of the the room. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I do think she does a good job in these first three. I really do. I think it's after that it all kind of falls apart. Hmm. I think she does fine. Like, I, I think she does fine. I just don't think she cares that much. I think it's a, like, it's a, it, like, I think that there was a lot of pathos, especially in the first one with her, like, scared, being scared for him and sort of that, like, the flustered, like, secretary who clearly is, like, working below her level. And, like, I love that he makes <laughs> her CEO in this. Like, yeah. I love how competent she is. It's sort of relegated to this small role, but she's clearly, like, a big part of his life as his assistant. And then the fact that I love that he makes her CEO in this and, like, it becomes, mm-hmm. like, such a – it enhances her character so much. But, like, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why. I just don't – like, I think, I think it's kind of the same as Tony. Like, we don't give that much backstory or, like – 
movement of Tony's character through these movies, a lot of it happens off screen, like I was saying. And like, Mm -hmm. so Pepper gets even less, you know, like, I don't know. She sort of, (laughs) she feels sort of flat as a character, I guess, I guess, except for that big change where she's goes from, um, personal assistant to CEO, all the other stuff seems to like that. It seems to be like the, the crux of her character. And that's kind of what happens to her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then she becomes girlfriend. Yeah, and she's just girlfriend, and it, it's all it's all good. Like, I I have no problems with her, but I don't. She's not a standout for me for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah. Natalie, though. Oh, Natalie, yeah, <laughs> she's a big standout for me. My other favorite part with her is when Rhodey and Tony crash through the ceiling, and then Nat goes into full on Black Widow pose and that like absolute knockout of a leopard dress. Like she'd be able to do anything anyway in that tight shift dress, but they crash through and she's standing next to Pepper and Pepper's like yelling at her like, I think you're not who you say you are, but if you're not, if you're not looking for it, you don't see it. And she does like the arm up and the arm out. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Especially given the, uh, later in Black Widow when when her sister's making fun of her for always posing. The fact that she has multiple poses in this movie that don't like she poses at the end of that fight scene in a really epic way oh actually i love when she's done when she does that pose in the in the big hallway fight she does mm-hmm. that pose and then she's walking out and one last guy runs out of a door <laughs> and she just maces him yeah <laughs> and poor happy he spends that whole time beating up one guy and then he looks and there's like six guys down and out and one guy hanging from the ceiling <laughs> yeah 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 it's great it's just, it's. I don't know, man. It's just a really, really good, really tight movie, and I love how much pathos it has because of his like fear of death and how like when he turns the he turns the company over to Pepper and he like gives Rhodey a suit, and I love that like Nick Fury sees through that and they they're like investigating what's uh, going on with him, you know. We get prime Nick Fury in this movie. Oh, for I mean, it really is. It was like, this so is the first time good really to, to see, him. see him again. <laughs> you yeah. know, like. After what we've all been through recently. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> I got my eye on you. <laughs> As I was watching the movie, I was trying to like realize like what's going on with like what are they what are they investigating Stark for? Like why are they investigating him and how do they figure it out? Because there's the, I know I remember the scene was coming where she gives him a shot, right? In in the neck. Right. And I was like, I know that's coming, but like when do they figure it out? And I was kinda like looking for when they figure it out. And then I saw, there was a scene where Rhodey realizes he's sick. Right. And, I, and my mind went to, wait, was Rhodey a scroll in this moment and he's helping Nick Fury? And then I was like, nope, nope, no. that, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> 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 because that was a different, that, that scroll was on the opposite side, but still, it's kind of funny. <laughs> oh, no. It's like, was Rhodey a scroll from the beginning? No, no, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I mean, we. I was going to watch Infinity War, but I'm like, we're doing this rewatch. I don't want to... Oh, I, I always watch Infinity War, but I don't know. I want to watch that in Endgame again to really look to see if there's any red blood on him. Because if there is, it's over. You can't retcon that. You can't go back and change anything. Well, I mean, unless it's other people's blood. No, but remember when he was like, hey, I'm going to drown if I don't canopy, canopy, canopy out of this Iron Man suit because I can't, you know, I need somebody to come get me when they oh, were drowning. Yeah, that, that scene. That, gotcha. Yeah. We could keep going, but yeah. I won't. I'll stop. <laughs> we'll, we'll always get hung up on a conversation about Rhodey as a scroll or not. Yeah. It's so hard to watch Tony always ruin his house because I'm so poor. Oh, me too. Me too. I like, especially having just bought a house and like realizing <laughs> how much it costs to like get a door replaced or do a, a small thing. Dude, rugs are like $300. <laughs> yeah, they are. Like a rug. And then, and then like getting anything, in, especially like when he throws him through the house and he goes through some sort of like like wood panel it's either like a wine cellar or some sort of spa room or like something the it's sa- like- it was his sauna oh was it a sauna okay so like he throws him through the sauna and i was just like there is no way they're gonna be able to match that wood right like i like i read my mind exactly. immediately went to like the renovations he's gonna have to do up through the ceiling into the bedroom and all the water damage i'm like you just buy a new house at this point yeah What's- yeah they just rebuild <laughs> from scratch and, and then in the next one the whole house gets like cut in half yeah that house goes into the ocean. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm like, that should have happened at the end of this movie after what you did to it. Yeah. So but sad. yeah, I, I'm just watching that going, oh, the floor. Ah, oh, the granite countertops. Oh, the God. The glass sculptures. <laughs> poor. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Like, poor, poor too. And also, like, just that, as a homeowner, I'm right there with you. Like, the whole time, I was just like, 
crap, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, Tony Stark's a billionaire. It's fine. <laughs> um, oh, uh, I was talking about the idea, and I, I meant to mention this, that, like, I really like how they do things practically. And one thing, one, another scene where I kind of sense that this is what happened is, like, you know the scene with, like, the perpetual motion machine on her desk? Oh, yeah. Like, that's the kind of thing that I don't think happens, I may be wrong, but it doesn't feel like that happens during the writing process. It feels like something that happens on set. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. the scene was written, and then they put a perpetual motion machine on the desk, and he was like, that's distracting. Oh, how about we put it right in front of my face for half the scene, and then I get distracted by it. Like, that's, it's it's just that kind of stuff that's really funny and cool, and I think that's one of the reasons the Guardian movies kind of work, because it seems like they do a lot of that stuff practically on those ships and those sets. Oh, yeah. Because he tries to stop it with all the stuff, and then it still doesn't stop. I know. It's so funny. <laughs> he, like, leaves the room. It's still spinning uh, behind him. My favorite part of that scene is when he goes to throw these strawberries in the trash can that she's highly, deathly allergic to, and they yeah. just go all over the floor, and he doesn't care at all. Yeah, he doesn't pay any attention. Oh, he gosh. just throws them on the floor. The, and the fact <laughs> that she's allergic to strawberries is such a great moment, because there's so much, so much growth needed in that relationship for them to work, you know? <laughs> He's like, but I agreed with him. He's like, I knew that there was a connection there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like, so, so there's something about you and strawberries. I knew it. It's like, you were very <laughs> wrong. Stop trying to take credit. <laughs> it just sounds like something I would say. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. I would, I would, that is something I would do and say. Absolutely. <laughs> My favorite line from um hammer though is something that i typed in my notes before he said it it was like yet another situation where i think if tony stark didn't show up that everything would have been fine which was at the uh, the last expo (laughs) oh right right well see it's hard to know uh it was it was a pretty great scene i i thought that at first too i was like oh well why does he go to there like that's the he's the only reason that happens maybe but like Vanko kind of has him over a barrel because if he doesn't show up, Vanko could just unleash all those guys onto the expo, right? Like yeah. he has to protect the expo. So, but the fact that it's actually like kind of in the same nature of Tony, where like in the in the third movie when the Mandarin is like talking him up and he's like, "Here's my address, come get me." Like Tony is threatened, and Tony's like. Yeah, let's do it. Like I'm coming to you. Like he doesn't. He doesn't care if it's a trap. He's gonna go anyway because he's so prideful. He believes he's just gonna make it through whatever he's gonna make it through. You know. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. I, I for a second I thought that was like kind of a flaw in the writing. Like oh yeah, Tony causes this, and I was like, mm, really uh, though. All right, we can we can take this one away from Tony, but he does cause a lot of other things. But <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> there was a lot of glass falling on all those people too. <laughs> oh, absolutely! <laughs> so crazy. The amount of glass falling on people in this movie is really scary. <laughs> it was like it's so a many, lot, so many little cut nicks and cuts. And I love that they settled to have the final battle in that beautiful Japanese garden. It looked like a level in Tekken, and I think every time I watch it, I forget that that's where it all takes place. <laughs> oh, see me like that grounds it for me like i agree with you completely i think it's such a beautiful setting and like i always think of that scene as the cool little garden scene like they didn't have to set it there there's a lot of things in this movie that like they didn't have to make that decision they could have just had that fight at the expo and it would have been like normal but that scene always i remember it because they're like in that little river in like you said it looks like a a scene from tekken or whatever (laughs) like i agree (laughs) it's great there's there's another scene that i have written down that like I feel like is so weird and funny when Tony pulls over to buy strawberries. Um, or no, <laughs> it, when, he, when he pulls over to buy the strawberries, they didn't ha- have to include that scene, but he pulls yeah. over and the guy says, are you Iron Man? And he's like, sometimes. Sometimes. I have um, that exactly in my notes too, because it's just so funny. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I believe in you. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, take my watch. <laughs> I'm like, ugh. I have to go get that. You know, I have to take it somewhere. You know, that's too much work. You know, Tony's got a bill on him somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Has to. Um, yeah, but I, I just thought that was like, that scene's totally unnecessary and it's just a nice, cute, funny scene. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I love this movie. It's great. Uh, we haven't really talked about the overall themes of like Vonko and his father. And I feel like this is probably something we've gotten into in the past, but like, I don't know. Like, just speaking of being poor. I know. I mean, he just also was brought up. I mean, when you find out the twist that his father was, you know, doing, 
you know, evil things and selling the information to the wrong people, you would think that Ivan was probably brought up in this household, that he was just being spoon-fed all of this, you know, stuff to convert him to thinking exactly like his father. It's pretty easy, you know. Well, but that kind of goes both ways. Like, he said, yeah, he wanted to do it for profit. And it's like, Howard did a lot of stuff for profit. Like, Howard ended up being a billionaire, like... He did stuff for profit too, and right. it, it seems to me like you could also have this exact narrative of like Vanko would have been the same kind of guy Howard was. Howard just used this to like push push Vanko out. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. I don't know if that narrative like holds up to scrutiny or not. Didn't Fury say that he was selling the intelligence to like the to Russians or no, somebody? No, 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 no. Vanko, he said he was all he was wanting to use the discovery of the um arc reactor for personal gain. Like he wanted to sell the technology. Right. Um, and like then 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 it continues and it says that Vanko went on to sell like uranium to like uh Soviet countries or whatever and ended up spending fifteen years in jail. So okay. like his his father it's just like this weird thing where it's like his father wanted to profit off of his work and then it's like what did your father do oh right became a billionaire and that's how you have all the power you have like yeah. i feel like they don't do and like i think i think it's something they do and it's it's the black panther thing too of like you set up a character you make their point really good actually like it like their point is pretty solid and like maybe he has a point that like Howard was working off of his work when he created all this stuff and like Howard sold him out and got him shipped off. And now he's spent his life in a, you know, in squalor with no money and no power. And while Howard kept doing, you know, what he was doing. Um, but then they always, to make the third act happen and to make it like really sink in, they have to make them go full evil, right? Like, of course. Like Black Panther, it's like, oh, well, let's just go to war with everybody with instead the of world. like, yeah, yeah. Instead of just like, yeah. Instead of just like, hey, let's fix the power imbalance. Like, uh, they have to make that character almost cartoonishly evil at the at the very end to make them have do something really huge. It, the biggest example I have recently is, uh, and I guess spoiler alert for the Batman. I think we talked about this uh, when it happened. Um, but in the Batman, like <laughs> the Riddler, the Riddler is like such a stand-up character in a lot of ways. He's just killing bad guys the whole movie. Like he does a, yeah. he's, he's basically a vigilante. Yes, he's killing people, which is a little worse than what Batman does. But like. You you understand where he's coming from. He totally has interesting. Uh, and then they need the third act to happen. So they're like, okay, now he wants to flood the city and kill everyone. It's like, where did that come from? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And it kind of feels like that here where it's like, at least in this case, he wanted to destroy Stark's legacy and he wanted to make the Iron Man suit something to be feared instead of like, right. it, it makes sense in this one. Um that like and i love that like the way like there's there's a really interesting through line in this movie where like he's poor he's never had anything he's like he feels like tony led the life he should have lived because of all this stuff and he wants to destroy tony's legacy and then hammer comes along and he's like hey i can offer you all the things you wish you had oh yeah well that's what he meant by the uh, what i he's like i didn't lose what i did was i put blood in the water and you know hammer was the shark who came up and and took it I thought I loved that analogy. See, oh, see, yeah, I like that. I love that analogy. It's it's a it's that if once you make God bleed, yeah, uh, everyone will come for him or whatever. It was going the way of Nemo, almost like how one man could tear something apart by just putting things, but then it didn't actually. He didn't go as far as as he did successfully. <laughs> wait, wait, going as far as who? Sorry, N- uh, Nemo. Nemo. Not Nemo. Captain Zemo. Oh, Zemo. Sorry. Yeah, I was confused. Sorry, I was also confused because they use the same line for Nero in 300. Oh. Like, that's like the, the resolution of the movie is if you can make God bleed, they stop believing in him. And so they okay. they throw a spear and they hit Nero across the cheek. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, he's no, he's not a god. It just, even though they die, it destroys his power or whatever. Like, that's the idea. Yeah. So that same quote is used in that movie. And so when you said Nemo, I was like, do you mean Nero? And then yeah, you meant Zemo. Zemo. <laughs> it's all good oh yeah so like zemo yeah i agree Uh, i was actually trying to think that's actually and i agree with you i think hammer is an example of that like the 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 sharks in the water you know um 
but I don't know. I kind of wanted that. Like that was one of the things I have written down is like things that didn't really happen in future movies. Like he says, like I've made God bleed. Now people are gonna, now everyone's going to be after you. And it's like, well, Justin Hammer, who already really dislikes you, is after you. And even then, he's like not trying to kill Tony Stark. He's just trying to like beat him. You know what I mean? Like it didn't. Right. I didn't feel like that line had the like impact on this plot that. Uh, it seemed like it should when he said it. Like I was like, right. "Ooh, he's made God bleed." Now people are gonna stop believing in him. Like, I guess, I guess, I guess I, the only way I can really interpret that line to like make sense in the movie is the stock price was falling and like the government was back on his case after he just kind of like won that Senate Senate hearing or whatever. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I guess that's another group that was after him. We can also just think that maybe it all it sets up Iron Man 3 and and that could have given like uh Killian some kind of you know balls to come up and do what he did you know other people seeing that he was vulnerable yeah that's true uh let's see okay so connections to future movies I have written down uh the lack of hammer that I'm mad about <laughs> I think the legacy and what we leave behind continues to be like one of Tony's driving forces like it's from the first movie to the second movie all the way through like he is always wondering worrying about like what he's going to leave behind this world mm -hmm. and then of course in, in the end he leaves behind Morgan and that's like his big like that's kind of the big thing is he like achieves that legacy a different way than he thinks he's going to I think yeah that's a good point I'll, you know kids whatever but Right. You know, <laughs> but pl and then he does have the Iron Man legacy, which whether, you know, whether that eclipses his business dealings, he did. He's, he's a pretty good legacy, I think he left behind. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely mixed. It's like he has this. Well, he's also always fighting his father's legacy and like. The, the 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 Zemo of it all, like, you know, Zemo like. Zemo has a really good point that it's sort of like his fault, like by messing with Ultron and all that stuff. Like, yes. he did some terrible things uh, in the course of his life, and he's trying to live up to it, you know, um, trying to leave behind things. And he's always trying mm -hmm. to fix fix his legacy, but he's uh, always blaming yeah. other people. Yeah. Well, interesting. I know how you, you are. Like I know he's... what you think about Civil War. I cannot fucking wait to get there because we are on opposite sides. I think. Okay. <laughs> You're well, on Tony's side for Civil War, right? Um. No, not necessarily. No, no. Okay. no, definitely not Tony's side because Tony's a complete hypocrite in that movie. Yeah. Um, okay. Just but sure. I, I think like there is a point to be said for Tony's the the side that Tony is falling on, like the idea of the Sokovia Accords, is not terrible. Um, okay. The idea of some sort of control, but Tony himself, like the sorry, we're getting ahead of we're getting movies ahead of ourselves. Maybe we should like, stop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll um, yeah. We we, we, yeah. we we can get there, but yeah, as soon as he like knows that he 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 thinks they've got the better of him, he gets right back in the Iron Man suit and doesn't tell anybody. Like he doesn't follow the Sokovia Accords the second he needs to not. It, there's there's a lot going on with Tony in that movie. God, I can't wait to get there. Well, now we're kind of on a schedule. By the way, we're going to be doing these uh, a lot more regularly. We're going to try to drop it on every two weeks, unless we just get into some uh, some shows that we need to cover or whatnot. But at least two every two weeks until we hit Loki, and then probably yep. just pick it back up after. Oh, I, one, one connection that I thought of that I kind of like, and it's sort of a connection to the real world more than anything, is... Um, they say in this movie it'll be 15, 10, 15 years before anybody's going to have an Iron Man suit. You know, mm -hmm. and now in the real world, we're ten or fifteen years later, and uh, they in they we're about to have the movie Armor Wars, and so like I know that's not on purpose, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, that is pretty cool. They're like, we totally planned that. We did that. We're Marvel. We're smart. Yeah, yeah, they're smart. Sure. <laughs> we're Marvel. We're smart. That's their tagline. <laughs> My fun little thing um, is it has to do with Coulson. And it's like, we don't really find out until Avengers how much he idolizes Cap, but watching the way he reacts when he sees the shield, you just think, oh, it's because they want us to know that the shield is important for people who don't know, you know, who are like, oh, Captain America's coming. Mm -hmm. But watching that scene again, knowing how much he idolizes Cap, and then how Tony just uses it as, first he's like, oh, that's it. That's what I've been looking for. And he's like, this thing? Oh, my God. And then he just uses it to, like, prop up that pipe. Like, I can feel Coulson dying inside a little bit. Oh, for and sure. And I never really watched his, you know, his reaction to it, because you're not really watching it. That's not, when you watch it the first time, you don't know how 
much he idolizes him. So you're not looking for his reactions to what's going on. And I just really paid attention this time. And it was, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I definitely love that moment. It's, it's so good. And it, it, it like, he is all of us in that moment. And that's the first moment where we kind of get the idea that Coulson is like a fan of all these things. Like, like yeah. he, in the movie, they go all in with it with like the, the trading cards and stuff. But I really right. love how in that moment he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. This is the thing. And I, I'm guessing that's like a, somehow a like i've always wondered what that was and that is howard stark did create shield so right. like the fact that he has some sort of weird prototype planning thing or like it makes <laughs> sense like I, I for a long time i thought that was like a flaw you know what i mean like yeah oh, like that's not the shield this shield looks nothing like that and like it's not the shield it's like some sort of pro, like either mold to sort of resemble the shield or it's some sort of like a prototype version of the shield that's not vibranium or something like that. It's it. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I honestly forgot. I thought that he was going to get like some kind of like like vibranium out of it to use in whatever he was doing, and then I I was pleasantly surprised when he did what he did because it's been a while. I haven't seen it. Oh <laughs> it made yeah. Made me laugh. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, a couple of lines that I just have written down that I, I wanted to bring up are like, I guess scenes. The the one scene in when he is begging pepper to like let's just leave all this behind and go to venice yeah something's wrong with her man (laughs) (laughs) that's uh that is that is true but like i yeah i that's such a sad scene like she just thinks they have all the time in the world she doesn't know he's dying and Mm -hmm. he's just begging her to take time with him so he can tell her he's like i was gonna make you an omelet and tell you and like Mm -hmm. he makes her the omelet and then she won't go to venice and like they get like he wants to tell her but he can't tell her so he's like maybe if we go somewhere and it's just us i can and he's just trying to get it out but he can't do it because he knows how important that relationship was to him and doesn't want to change it and it's so sad and so good Mm -hmm. he just wants to take the little bit of life he has left and go um it's it's what um natalie says which is like um what would you do if you uh, knew you only had a you were dying like i would do whatever i wanted with whoever i wanted and he wants Mm -hmm. to go to venice with pepper you know it's such a sad scene yeah i mean she could have gone it would only been an hour or two you know i don't know she's crazy (laughs) she's crazy crazy um I, one of my favorite things is the Predator reference at the end when uh, Ivan starts, puts on the bomb, and it's like, boop, boop, boop. Uh, I love it so much. And I don't think I remember it until I see it every time. <laughs> oh, uh, I, did, I guess I don't think of that as a Predator, predator reference. What's the Predator It looks part? At, uh, when it shows all the little buttons and they all start to disappear in the countdown, and it's beeping exactly how it does at the end of Predator. Okay, cool. I, I, I guess I, I don't know Predator well enough to remember that. That's cool. I mean, you should I'm, go watch Predator. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I've seen Predator, but not like in a long time. So, yeah. That's like the biggest scene when he starts laughing at the end after he sets it off. He's like, ah, 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 ah. Like, that's what we thought he was going to start doing, but he didn't. It's <laughs> great. I love, the, <laughs> I love when he fires uh, Natalie or tries to. Uh, she says it's not your call, but like he says, it just it's delivered so well. She walks up, he realizes what's going on, that she's a plant, and he goes, yeah. you're fired. Um, <laughs> not your call <laughs> <laughs> it's so good and another Colson line I really like is uh, we need you more than you know not that much <laughs> <laughs> so and Tony good. I don't want to join your super secret boy band <laughs> yes oh my gosh there's so many good lines in here and it's so like at this point they knew what they were doing like this is probably the peak of Marvel like really having a vision for what the like oh we know we're doing avengers now you know what i mean like it's, oh yeah it's just there's the to thor formulate. reference yeah oh Corey yeah colson's like oh i have to go to new mexico yeah there's a thor reference there's the cap reference um they they call him the consultant which if i'm not mistaken is when they isn't the consultant where they talk nah i think i'm messing it up there's a short called the consultant and mm. i was thinking that one had to do with hulk but uh, I may be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's about Tony. Um, hmm. Yeah, but uh, I just love that how how connected things are starting to be, even though this is just the second Iron Man movie. Yeah, I love it, and I, I actually love that. Um, you know, uh, at the end, you know, I, Gary Shandling 
Lar- whatever, that they make Hail Hydra give the speech. And that guy stayed on to do other movies. And he's great in Civil or not Civil War, but in uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. Like, you didn't expect yeah. to see him again. And that's what I do love about this is in the beginning there, a lot of people were like, yeah, we'll come back. We'll do it. We'll keep going. Because yeah. they saw what it was going to be. Well, and that's what I was... I can't remember if I, I said this earlier. I started to... Uh, a lot of times you think of these, these movies as cash grabs. And a lot of times it like feels like the end of someone's career. Like they've done all the cool stuff they're going to do. And now they're in the phase where they're just doing check movies, you know? Um, but yeah. none of these people that were in this movie, I feel that way about. And it, it like all of the actors um, down the entire sheet, I'm just like, yeah, every one of these guys was awesome before this movie. They got him in this movie to be in this like comic book hyper fun world and then they went on to all do cool things after and like yeah. still be people that I truly love and like respect and all that stuff. And I think in general Marvel gets a, a class of actor that um a lot of studios can't get. But like this is before they knew This was. They are yeah. lucky they have Favreau like I think a lot of people saw the first one. They saw how much it worked. So I didn't think they had a problem after that first one, to be honest. And that's why I thought that picking Mickey Rourke to be the villain was super, super... It was almost risky like uh, RDJ was because Mickey Rourke has a really, um, you know, colorful history when it comes to being on the same level as Robert Downey Jr. with stuff. And Mm. they went ahead and they they took a risk on him. And then Aronofsky had them in the same year in that uh, movie that was, I'm pretty sure, up for an Oscar, The Wrestler. Yeah, The Wrestler. So it was like a big comeback year for Mickey Rourke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very happy to see him talk about his beard. This Get beard. me my beard. Give me my beard. This is this not is my beard. Not my beard. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, you the bird. I, I feel like people uh, talk down about his, his character in this movie, and I just don't think there's anything wrong with his portrayal of no, uh, Ivan Marco. I like his hair. It's awesome. He's yeah, got that hair too. from Gemma from uh, Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I need Charlie Hunnam to come over to the MCU. Like Ooh, we need yeah. to, uh, I think he would be a really good Johnny Storm or I would like to see him if we do X-Men as like Cannonball, like that Southern. There's, I could see him being in there because he seems like he could be, he's he's hot and he could yeah. be kind of like snippy. But oh, yeah. I don't know. I think Charlie Hunnam gets overlooked a lot in Hollywood and I don't know why. I could see him as like a good Wolverine. Oh my God. I would love him as Wolverine. Yeah. Uh, he's he's so good. Have you seen that movie? I think it's called The Gentleman. That he's oh in. yeah, I watched it just a couple weeks ago. And I really liked it. I even like that King Arthur one that everybody makes fun of me for liking. Oh, me I too. liked it. Me too. I liked it because um, I like Guy Ritchie. Yeah, I like Guy Ritchie and I like Charlie Hunnam a lot. Those are both Guy Ritchie movies. <laughs> yeah, that's true. the The King Arthur thing, like, I think expectations for movies are just kind of weird these days. Where like people watch these movies and they give them kind of low scores or like they're really harsh on them, and I'm like. That was really good. Like I don't know. Yeah. I, like, a lot of times I'm just like that. That was a really good flick. Like it, it. Everything can't be Endgame. I feel like. Like and I feel like since we've had these big connected universes and these movies where so much weight is put on every line because there's so much stuff before it and after it and like everything's a universe. When you get just like a fun one-off movie like the King Arthur thing, I was like, that, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good movie. It's like a good afternoon, right? you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of expectations. I forgot how much I love just the one singular end credit scene that was leading me to what was coming next. Mm-hmm. We are off the rails. And not only are we off the rails with the end credit stuff, the way that it's expected now. And if it's not there, it's annoying. And like, I'm like, I don't like, even I've felt like that during some things. I'm like, where's this? Where's that? I just liked at the end of the thing, we had 15 seconds of what was coming next to get you excited. Because when I saw that hammer in that desert... Yeah. I lost my goddamn mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think that Marvel, uh, you know I love them. I'm here because I love them. We do this podcast because we love all this stuff. And, and I've liked almost every property they've done. But I think something is broken over there about their planning and their teasing process. And it's mm-hmm. making me... They're doing things in movies that either like step on the main story to give me a tease of the next thing or they're doing things that like don't tease it enough or something, you know? Yeah. I don't think the tease process is uh, worked out somehow. Like I didn't need to sit through nine minutes of, of 
you know, credits to watch an ant playing a, an electronic drum kit. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. At the end of it, like, I'm well, like, that's kind of around there. It started to fall off. He started doing two and three. I'm like, just do one. Yeah, I don't mind there being a second one that's just humorous. Like, it doesn't really bother me, but like, yeah. I guess for me, it's more about like the, pro- like we've talked about it a lot, but like the process of rolling these movies out and be and teasing the next one in a way that like, you know, makes you want to see it and stuff. Like, uh, in in many ways, the tease for this movie was the fact that Iron Man like revealed his identity in the first one. Like that cut to black after he says "I am Iron Man" and they just jump up. Like, it is such a revolutionary thing. I know we talked about it last episode of these or two episodes ago of these uh, mm-hmm. rewatch episodes, but like in many ways, like that is like the the stinger of that movie that goes like, Oh crap. I can't wait to know what happens next to Tony Stark. Like he's going to be a famous superhero. Like we've never seen that on screen before. That's so cool. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, uh, then this movie comes and, and like, I really want them to get back to like, I don't know, balancing their like uh, post-credit sequences properly, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's what I mean, but this that Thor one was perfect. <laughs> For sure. So I guess that's the next thing we're watching. Yup. Uh, right. Jeff is going to join us for that one. Oh, yeah, he is. He said he definitely wanted to be on all the Thor ones. So mm-hmm, we, mm-hmm. we'll be back uh, in a few weeks with more Infinity Saga rewatch. Excited. Oh, me too. I apologize in advance for my thirsting over. I mean, that was the first time I was introduced to Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> I'm going to be intolerable, <laughs> just right. so everybody's right. aware. <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Well, we'll be back with more Infinity Rewatch and uh, more MCU podcast. Uh, hit that subscribe button or whatever, you know, whatever your app is. It really helps us if you subscribe and throw some five-star reviews in wherever your app is. <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Um, now please, you can please. do it everywhere. Thumbs ups and reviews and all those things really help us out. Um, we love you very much. Peace. Until next time, true believers. Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. And a special thanks to all of our subscribers at patreon.com slash mcucast. You make this show possible. And a huge shout out to both. That's right. There's two of them now. Illuminati tier patrons, Walter Kreisky III and Lieutenant Bongo. Thank you, guys. If you want to find all of our fine Stranded Panda podcasts, go to strandedpanda.com. And for a video version, check out youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you want to take part in our live streams, go to twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv. 